starving. Well-fed children like to say. I said that a few times coming along. I admit it. I, I didn't mean it literally. Children explore hyperbole. They try to figure out the world through that sometimes. Everybody's doing it. Nobody has to do that. All of them are going. I knew I wasn't starving, but my mother couldn't help herself. I I think she knew that I knew I wasn't starving, but she could never let me say that without saying, no, you're not. You may be a little bit hungry, but you ate just a few hours ago. There are people in this world who are truly starving. You are not one of them. I don't think she was being argumentative. Well, yes, she was. I don't think she was just being argumentative. I think she was trying to expand my worldview to help me know that there are people in this world, many people in this world, who have lives I'll never really understand, lives I'll never experience, whose struggles are real. I've been blessed every single day of my life to not wonder, would I eat? But what would I eat? Which food would I choose to eat? That's been my food situation throughout my life, which food to eat, not whether I I don't know what true hunger feels like. I certainly don't know starvation. Whenever my stomach hurts, just from eating too much, not too little. It's not just me. The majority of the people I know, if they have a food issue, it's that they struggle from eating too much, not too little, and oftentimes too much that they should not be eating. Of course, there are homes in our town, pockets in our country, sections of our world where the problem is not enough food, where there is truly an inadequate supply. And what we know is people are working hard to try to resolve that, and it's not an easy thing to resolve it. And sadly, what we also know is that when it's getting resolved in places using a Western diet, that diabetes and heart disease cancer often follows. Why do I bring all that up? It's World Communion Sunday. So what we eat, how we eat, and who gets to eat is on my mind today. Maybe you know from 1 Corinthians that St. Paul rebuked the church at Corinth for who ate and how. Some of the Corinthians would arrive early at worship. They could finish their work or whatever they were doing and they could get to worship early and they would eat all that they wanted, not concerned about those who had yet to arrive, leaving only crumbs for them. The ones who arrived late often arrived late because they had work that wouldn't allow them to get there any earlier. They were often domestic workers. They had to do all their work for the other people before it was time for them to come and worship, they often were the ones who had no choice, had little pay, received little food. 
again, it was those who were well-off who did better than those who were not. And it didn't sound like the body of Christ to St. Paul. It didn't sound like the ways things are supposed to be. For him, it reflected more of society's ways of being than Jesus' ways of doing. And it was particularly disturbing that society's ways of being, society's ways of of privileging some over others would show up right there at the communion table. The communion table, the altar, the very place that makes most visibly Christ's humility. This is my body. This is my blood given for you. The privileging of some over others only works at this table. But the ones who are privileged are the underprivileged. All around the world today, in places where I'm starving comes off the lips of well-fed children, and in places where I'm starving is too honest a truth for malnourished children to say. There are people who are hungry for grace, coming to the altar of our common Lord, praying to get what they need. In some of those churches, there are people who are hearing a story today, hearing a story about a landowner and his tenants. A landowner that provided all that was needed for the tenants to do well and then left the tenants to run the place. It's a story that could easily be about those people back then. It is just as likely to be about these people right now. The current tenants. Us. Jesus said, listen to another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a fence around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a watchtower. Then he leased it to the tenants and went to another country. When harvest time had come, he sent his slaves to the tenants to collect his produce. But the tenants seized his slaves and beat one, killed another, and stoned another. Again, he sent other slaves, more than the first, and they treated them in the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, saying, they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and get his inheritance. So they seized him, threw him out of the vineyard, and killed him. Now when the landowner comes, what will they do? he do to those tenants? The chief priests and Pharisees said to him, He will put those wretches to a miserable death and lease the vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the harvest time. The word of the Lord. The chief priests and Pharisees were slowly realizing that Jesus' parable was about them, that they were the tenants in the story. And so they had pronounced unwittingly their own judgments. The ones who had killed the landowner's servants, the prophets, 
ones who would have the landowner's son killed. Jesus. Or them. They were the ones who would lose their claim on the vineyard. The ones who would be replaced by new tenants. What remained to be seen was whether or not these new tenants would turn out to be any better than the former ones. Would they? Would we? Tend the vineyard in such a way that it produced at harvest time? Would they? Would we? Give the rightful owner his produce when the harvest came in. Would they? Would we take care of his vineyard and those who depended on him? Would they? Before we say, well, of course, we might do well to remember how easy it was for us to say that we would manage better, administer better, spouse better, parent better, before we were managers or administrators or spouse. Before the church says, well, of course, we would tend the vineyard better than they did, we might recall the Crusades, the Inquisition, colonization, witch trials, support of slavery, resistance to civil rights. We might wonder, even today, in a world of disparity between those with too much to eat and those with too little to eat, are we tending well? If we, the church, are the tenants now, does the landowner bleed? I don't know if we can say for sure. Some days, yes, we give sacrificially. We care compassionately. We understand our role as those working in the vineyard of another. But on other days, we tend to treat the vineyard as if it's ours, not someone else's. When we think the vineyard is ours, we are at grave risk of becoming like those previous tenants who were turned out favor of new ones. When we recognize that there is only one landowner and we are not him, when we recognize that there is only one landowner and we are all tending the world for him, then we might do well to make sure that our fellow tenants have what they need so that they can join us in tending the world for him. Starving tenant will never be as productive as a well-nourished one. Oh, 
sun arrives to find its way. Then there will be a great thanksgiving. Indeed, a communion like we have never known. For the call of grace.